put all the finance proverbs in one. Amen. Different subjects. Why didn't he organize it that way? I don't know why he didn't organize it that way. But there's a randomness to the book of Proverbs, the way it is laid out. And it's probably because of we that's the way we live life. It's sort of our randomness in living. And we're constantly changing from one thing in our life to another. And so it may be that that is why the book of Proverbs is set up in such a random way. Amen. Uh, praise the Lord. But nonetheless, we're going to talk about things that uh, are valuable. And so 11 of Proverbs, if you're there, say praise the Lord. <clears throat> Good to see all of you here tonight. <clears throat> Amen. While you're turning there, brother, would you get me hooked up back here? Hallelujah. All right. If you're there, say praise the Lord. <clears throat> all right. Amen. Thanks, brother. Okay, verse 1. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. So we see value in business dealings in the first verse, okay? And verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the per perverseness of the transgressors shall destroy them. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men shall perish. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. By the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. He that is void of wisdom despiseth his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors there is safety. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it, and he that hateth suretyship Sure to ship is sure. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. They that are of a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. 
as a jewel of gold and a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. There is that there is that, that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that <clears throat> that withholdeth more than is meet, but is tended to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that waters shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be the servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth, much more the wicked and the sinner. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We thank you, Lord, for your awesome word. We give you all praise and glory and honor for it. Pray that you'd inspire me by your spirit to preach and teach it. And let us receive it and hear it and walk in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Okay, the book of Proverbs is teaching us wisdom. Number one, practically, what to do at the right time, what to do at what time, what to say at the right time, amen. Uh, social skills and living, how to live life. Number two, ethically speaking, righteously, how to live and be a good person or a righteous person. And most importantly, the third level is the fear of the Lord which is to teach us uh, how to live and worship the true God in contrast to being an idol worshiper of false gods. So that's what we have to look at in every verse that we look at. Every one of those three things have to apply to each verse. Now, I won't take the time to do that, but as you study, you can apply that to the verses yourself. Okay, verse 1. Uh, <clears throat> the value of a true balance a false balance is an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is His delight. This teaches us bad business practices. Okay? <clears throat> I think I have a pretty good example to show you um, what that's like. Okay? I uh, read a story about a woman. She went to the market and she needed some chicken. Uh, so she went to the person that was involved in making sure, you know, that all that's distributed. She goes up to the counter and says, I need four pounds of chicken. And the clerk says, well, we only have a three-pound chicken. So she says, okay, well, if you've only got a three-pound chicken, I need four pounds, I'll just go to another store. So he thought in his mind, he said, well, I can't lose this customer and not sell my one three-pound chicken. So he got that three-pound chicken. He went back in the back for just a little bit. He came back out, and he said, we just happened to have a four-pound chicken. So he threw the same chicken that he had before on the scale, and he put his thumb on the scale. And, and uh, so he says, now we got a four-pound chicken. And, and she, says, she says, well, since you have taken so much care 
today to take care of me. She said, I'll take both of them. So she uncovered his lie. But that's what it's talking about. Did y'all catch that? Okay. Now that didn't take a lot. <laughs> I mean, even a child can get that one, I think. Uh, but that you talk about that's that's thinking on your feet. That's being wise. Praise the Lord. It's the same chicken. He just put a thumb on the scale and made it weigh a little bit. Well, that's what the Lord is talking about right here. Amen. So this is a, a real brief statement, but it has a lot of experience, covers a lot of different subjects. Shows the importance of doing business properly. Because and the Bible says, but a just weight is his delight. God wants us to be fair in life, especially in the era of business. He wants things to be done correctly. Okay, verse 2. Again, random subjects, but we're talking about things that are of value. So we see verse 2 talks about pride. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. So what follows pride? According to the Word of God, what follows pride is shame, right? But with the lowly is wisdom. I mean, somebody that humbles themselves. Now, a good example of this we have uh, in the Word of God, we have the two people, first people in the Bible that received leprosy. Uh, one was named Moses. The other was Miriam. Let's go to Exodus chapter 4, please. And I'll give you an example of this particular verse. Pride leads to shame, but with humility is wisdom, the lowly in heart. And we'll see that in Moses and Miriam. All right, Exodus chapter 4. Turn there. First person in the Bible that ever received leprosy was Moses. And God was speaking to him. He was letting him know God was letting him know that he is his everything, that everything that Moses needed, that God was that for him, the I am that I am. And so God was having a discussion with him, telling him to go represent him to the Egyptians. Moses had a little problem with that. So in verse 6, the Lord said, Furthermore unto him, Exodus 4 and 6, Put now thy hand into thy bosom, he put his hand into his bosom, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. Now you can imagine if God told you that, you put your hand, amen, in your cloak, you pull it out, and your hand turned white as snow, like leprosy, man. And he probably shouted a little bit, got a little bit afraid when he saw the sight of his hand turning leprous like that. Okay? Then he said, put thine hand into thy bosom again. He put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his bosom and behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. So God is showing him that he is everything that he needs him to be. Amen? He can bring judgment or he can bring deliverance. Now, Numbers chapter 12. His sister, Miriam, you will remember that Moses had a brother named Aaron and he had a sister named Miriam. Okay. She's the second one in the Bible to receive leprosy. Okay, let's look at it. 
Now, what is, what's the problem? What's going to happen? Well, pride's going to get a hold of Miriam. And that pride is going to lead to shame. That shame's going to lead to leprosy. So what's the deal here? Well, we have a contrast here. We have Moses, the man of God, and we have Miriam, the woman of God. Uh, she was called a mother of Israel, which is a very high, high statement. The mother of Israel. She was known as a prophet or a prophetess of God. So she was a very high-ranking woman of God in the kingdom of God. Now, the problem is Miriam, see, remember Moses, his hand turned leprosy, pulled it out, put it back in, it was healed. Well, Miriam, the woman of God, the prophetess who is the sister to Moses, the mother of Israel, she's basically alongside Moses and Aaron, she's right up there in the leadership. Okay? So you have Moses and Aaron, and then you have Miriam. She's basically number two. Okay? Moses decides he's going to get married to an Ethiopian woman. Now, let's see what happens with this. So Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord... Indeed, spoken only by Moses, hath he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. So now we see really what the problem is. The problem is not that they didn't like the, the skin color of the woman that Moses was marrying. Had nothing to do with that. Sometimes people say, well, they just didn't like it because she was an Ethiopian and they were mad about that. No, that's not the problem. The problem is Miriam let pride get a hold of her. And when this Ethiopian is married by Moses, that means now Miriam is no longer number two. Miriam has been replaced. She's now number three. And she did not like that one bit. Pride got a hold of her, and that pride was followed by shame, and then that was followed by leprosy. See, she did not want to give up her position, and uh, so she sees a threat here. There is a competition that's going on here in her spirit. Her spirit is not right with God. Amen. So, up to this point, Miriam has been a wonderful woman of God. She has been a worshiper. She's been a prophetess of the Lord. She's been a mother to Israel. I mean, she's right up there with the leadership. And then all of a sudden, something gets a hold of her. And it was called pride. And pride is such a de devastating and destructive thing because the Bible says that when you start operating in pride, then what is going to happen, shame is going to be the result. It's going to be the, the results of walking in pride, okay? And so now, Moses married a woman. Uh, she's right there with Moses. Instead of it being Moses and Miriam, the woman of God, now it's Moses the Ethiopian and then Miriam. She didn't like that. Okay? That pride. Now the Bible tells us, look, look at the story. In verse 2, And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath He not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. See, it wasn't about the color of the skin. 
is about the position. See, she has lost her position uh, to another woman. And she didn't like it. That pride got a hold of her, man. Right? So, <clears throat> there is a, then at this point, there is a challenging, a challenging of leadership by Miriam, Moses' leadership. And when she does that, then she is challenging God as well. Because you can't challenge the set man. Uh, and Moses is an apostle, in case you don't know it. He's the, uh, the apostle of the Old Testament. We get in the book of Hebrews chapter 3, and I'll teach that to you Sunday morning, Lord willing. I will show you that Moses was an apostle of God. So, <clears throat> Moses is an apostle of God. Miriam is a prophetess of the Lord. But she doesn't have the same authority that the apostle does. And so now somebody's coming in, she feels like it's sort of pushing her out. She doesn't like it. So now she challenges the man of God, because, hey, God speaks by me, you know. She doesn't understand what's happening to her is pride. She's getting lifted up in pride uh, and rebellion against that leadership, and really it's against God. That's why the Bible says, and the Lord heard it. Now think about that. Moses, the Bible says, was the meekest man on the earth. He wasn't a man walking around with pride. He wasn't arrogant. He was a meek man. He was a humble man. And so now when this prophetess challenges the man of God, he, she is challenging God. And the only way that she could possibly cross that line is if she allowed heart, a pride to get inside of her heart. So you got to be careful and i got to be careful in the kingdom of God, if we start thinking that we're not being treated right, or if somebody in our family is not being treated right, being overlooked or whatever, you know, pride can get a hold of you. And when it does, shame's coming. It's going to come, man. Because for whatever reason, then you get out of your place and you start challenging leadership, you start challenging God, and you don't even know what you think that you're right in it. You think you're justified in having the feelings that you've got. Right, right, right. But following the pride comes the shame, and then comes the leprosy. Okay? So that's what that proverb says. Now, let's, we're going to see how the lowly responds in just a minute. Verse 3, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. That doesn't mean he was weak. He was just meek. Strength grown tender. Okay? And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam, Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they three came out, and the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Arian and Miriam, Miriam, and they both came forth. So that her pride affected even a high priest. It shows you how dangerous it is. This spirit gets in a congregation, gets in a church, pride gets in somebody, maybe have been in the church a long time, long-standing leadership, it gets in the church that one person can affect other people in high places. 
so that it wasn't just Miriam against Moses. It was Miriam affecting Aaron. Ooh. Very dangerous. Now watch. So Aaron and Miriam come forth and they said, Hear now my and he said, Hear now my words, if there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision, and will speak unto him in a dream. That's a prophet, right? So he reveals himself uh, to a prophet by vision and by dream. Verse 7, but he said, My servant Moses is not so, who is faithful in all my house with him. Will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches? And in the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? The reason was because of the pride that got in the heart. Okay? It says, I'll speak to a prophet in visions and, and dreams and things like that. But he says, with Moses, he says, I speak to Moses face to face, mouth to mouth. So he wasn't given to a lot of dreams. God communicated him in a totally different way on a very high level. Okay. So why were they not afraid to speak against Moses, he says, uh, in verse 9, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. And the cloud departed from off the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous. So her pride created shame, and her shame with the pride, created leprosy. Second person in the Bible that got leprosy. Okay. Aaron looked on Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not thy, the sin upon us, whereon we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. So at least Aaron's confessing. Okay. At least Aaron's repenting. Okay. And I think that's probably one reason why a severe judgment didn't come on him. Because he, man, when he found out, he saw the results of, of what was happening. Man, he stepped back real fast. He repented real quick. So I'm not going to be a part of this, you know. So he said, we've done foolishly. And then, so obviously, when Aaron sees and Moses sees their sister Miriam struck with leprosy, they're heartbroken. I mean, it, it is not a time to celebrate. It's not like Moses, yeah, hey, you see, you know, you get what you deserve. No, it wasn't like that, man. It was a time of mourning. When they saw Miriam struck with leprosy, they went into mourning. And Aaron very quickly repented. And the Bible tells us, well, what does Moses do? Well, the Bible says, with the lowly is wisdom. And so he's a humble man. And he goes to God in prayer and he, he asks God, he says, Lord, uh, amen. Verse 12, let her not be as one dead. Don't let her die from this. Of whom the flesh is half consumed when he cometh out of, of his mother's womb. And Moses cried unto the Lord saying, heal her now, O God, I beseech thee. See, out of the mouth of the lowly, there's wisdom. What did he do? He, didn't, he wasn't happy about the situation. He was mourning. He went to God and he said, God, heal her of this leprosy. Heal her. 
Amen. That's the answer came from the mouth of the lowly. He saw what it was. Very serious. He's mourning about it. And he knows what to do. And he says, God, heal him. Heal her from this leprosy. And the Lord said unto Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Let her be shut out from the camp seven days. And after that, let her be received in again. So God reveals to Moses as he prayed to God that God would heal her that no, you can't let her in the camp for seven days. So you excommunicate her. You set her out away from the assembly for one week. Um, and very strong. See, God wasn't happy. And I think Moses was, he left it in the hands of God, you know. Uh, he was mourning. Obviously it's his sister this has happened to. She's in error. She's wrong. She's got lifted up in pride and shame and leprosy. He understands that, but he wants God to heal her. But God is upset. I think he's more upset with Miriam than Moses is. Because he said, if, if her daddy had spit in her face, that's a serious thing. Something should have happened basically when she was a little girl that it would drive that kind of rebellion and pride out of her heart. Hey, God was upset. If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be ashamed seven days? Well, he goes on and tells her that she should be shut out for seven days. And verse 15, And Miriam was shut out from the camp seven days, and the people journeyed not till Miriam was brought in again. Let me tell you something, man. Let that spirit of pride and shame and leprosy get into a church. It'll shut the whole move down until it's dealt with, until it's handled. And once it's handled, then you bring it back, bring it, if it's restored. Now that's the whole purpose here. Moses' desire was that Miriam would be restored. And until restoration takes place, God would not allow the church to move any further. Okay? It's a very serious thing. Now, in the Holy Ghost tonight, God loves all of you. But you better be careful, and I have to be careful because we can all be susceptible to allowing pride to get up inside of us, you know, especially a competitive thing, you know. Uh, maybe an idea I'm not, not being treated like maybe I should be. I'm so important, you know, and it's just this so full of self or, or we're full of our, our, our family, the way our family's being treated or, or whatever. Well, you you don't have the right to give yourself to pride and challenge leadership and challenge God. Amen. Because as the scripture says, pride then is followed by shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. So that's one of the most amazing examples of that verse that, that I could bring to you in the Word of God. Now, just about every one of the Proverbs that we study have an example in the Bible. Okay? And I don't have time to get in to give you an example for every one of them. But uh, it is amazing. Okay, verse 3. Look at this one. Say, praise the Lord. Say, thank you, Lord, for talking to me. Okay. 
Pride's a bad thing. And then it makes it's all about you. Okay. Verse 3, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of the transgressor shall destroy them. Now, the integrity of the upright, that means that person has convictions in their life. Okay. They're people of integrity. Uh, and that conviction, that person who does what's right in life is going to be their guide. And I think just real quickly, you think about Joseph. What an amazing young man that he was. His integrity guided him through his whole life. He had one challenge after another. And I'm not going to preach the whole life of Joseph to you, but you know the challenges he had. But that man retained his integrity in every situation he was in, even if, you know, he was uh, being seduced by a woman, whatever, as a young man. He didn't give in to that. Why? Because he was... He feared God. And he said, how can I fear a, fear a, a sin against God and do this thing? I'm not going to do it. See? So the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But then we see the perverseness or the twistedness. The, uh, yeah, the perverseness of the transgressor. The word transgressor in the original language means a traitor. Okay. But the perverseness of the transgressor or the traitor shall destroy him. And now I don't have time to read all the verses to you, but when you have time, get Second Samuel, and uh, I'll just give you a few verses to look at. Second Samuel. No, I'm not going to do that. It takes too much time. Okay. Second Samuel, you'll read about a man by the name of Ahithophel. Ahithophel was. David's counselor. He was really close to David. Now listen carefully. Not only was Ahithophel David's counselor, the Bible says he was like an angel of God. That means he was a messenger. He was like an oracle that came straight from God. When, when David, as a king, needed some guidance from Somebody he went to Ahithophel, and when Ahithophel was right with God, the counsel that he gave David was like the counsel that would come from the mouth of an angel. He was extremely wise, and this man Ahithophel was not only David's counselor, but he was David's listen, Bathsheba's grandfather. Let me say it again. Bathsheba's grandfather. Now, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, that got in the heart of Ahithophel. And he always had something against David from that time forward. And there came a time when Ahithophel joined with Absalom in rebellion against King David. Ahithophel joined uh, because I believe, again, he had that retaliation in his heart towards David for what David did with his granddaughter Bathsheba. And uh, eventually what happened was his counsel was defeated, okay, because he got on the wrong side. He got with the wrong man. Instead of David, he got with uh, Absalom. And his counsel was defeated. And eventually what he did is he committed suicide. 
He is a picture of Judas Iscariot in the Old Testament. It's a man that was very close, very close to David, a wise counselor. Went wrong, went bad. He became a traitor. And as a result of that, his counsel became perverted and he ended up committing suicide. So we see in the Word of God here, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. That's like Joseph or anybody who walks in integrity, uprightness of heart. Amen? That'll be your guide. That'll keep you out of trouble. Amen? But the perverseness of the traitor or transgressor shall what? Destroy them. It destroyed Ahithophel. It destroyed Judas Iscariot in the New Testament. So before you ever consider becoming a traitor, you think about Ahithophel and you think about Judas Iscariot. Okay? As the Word of God is true. Okay, verse 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Now the day of wrath, the specific day, the day of the wrath of God, um, there are pockets of wrath, pockets and judgments that come from God, but the day of wrath, a specific time. And it's telling us that no matter how much money you have, it won't save you in that day of wrath. You see, money, riches can only take you so far in life. They can only do so much for you. But if you're not right with God, you can't bribe God. You can't pay God off in the day of wrath. All the money in the world that you accumulate if you don't have God in your life is not going to help you. And in Revelation chapter 6, let's turn there. We see in that time of God's wrath, judgments are falling upon the earth. Amen. <clears throat> Revelation 6. Verse 12. Behold, when you open the sixth seal, lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, the moon became as blood. And the stars of heaven fell into the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken in a mighty wind. The heavens departed as a scroll when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. The kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men. See that? The chief captains, the mighty men, every bondman, every free man hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is coming. Who shall be able to stand? That, that verse right there takes you all the way to the end of the tribulation period where the worldwide wrath of God has been poured out. And notice the rich man, the chief men, the mighty men, all of their money is not going to help them in the day of wrath. Okay? Riches can only do so much for us. Thank God. And you know, uh, it's, a, it's okay to be rich. Um, we'll get into it a little bit later in the lesson. There were two men that were rich. Lot was rich. Abraham was rich. But they had a different attitude toward riches. So Abraham trusted God and was rich. But Lot trusted in his riches. And he ended up, and I'll refer to it again maybe if I don't forget, later on as we see another verse, Lot saw Sodom and Gomorrah as a business opportunity. 
and he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then he ended up moving into Sodom, and Sodom was destroyed. So both were rich. Abraham was rich, and Lot was rich. But Abraham trusted God, not his riches, but Lot trusted his riches, and he was always looking for a business opportunity. Okay? And judgment fell on Sodom. Right? So just remember the Word of God that uh, money can only go so far in helping you. Especially in the time of wrath. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from, from death. So what's going to deliver people? It's not going to be money. It's going to be your righteousness, your godliness. See? So we're moving beyond just the uh, social aspect of Proverbs or how to live life. We're moving into the righteous or the ethical side of the Proverbs. Righteousness. Godly living. That's what will deliver you. Okay? Amen? When the wrath of God is poured out, I do not believe the church is going to escape as far as being pre-tribulationally raptured out. I believe that we will be on the earth. Now, I'm going to tell you this in case you don't know it. We're getting to a place now where more and more people are seeing and understanding that. And there's not a whole lot of people. There are some, but there's not a whole lot of people anymore, not as many today as there was before that believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay? All right? So when you get in that time in the day of wrath, money's not going to save you. But if you're righteous, you live for God, then God will protect you. Matthew, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 24, that some people will flee to the mountains. And the Bible says about those people, those believers that flee to the mountains, they will be protected by God. Okay? But there's some people who are not believers, who have a lot of money, that will get in those caves and those dens and hide. The rocks will start falling on them. So it depends on where you are with God, man. Your relationship with God. No, not, no matter money or gold, silver, or anything else. No matter of doomsday preparation is going to save you in that day. You can have all the money and all the, you know, food. And, I mean, it's important to be prepared. If you're a believer, it'll work. It'll help you. But if you're not a believer, it's not going to help you. You can be a doomsday prep preparer, you know. Watch all the shows. Move all, they got camps now, man. You can move into these camps. They got them all over the place. You can live years and years and years, supposed to in times of, they call doomsday, you know. They just don't realize how bad it's going to be. Like they're thinking about some kind of small catastrophe that's going to hit the earth, but nothing like what the book of Revelation talks about. So there's no amount of preparation is going to save you in that day. If the only thing that's going to save you in that day is your righteousness. Somebody said, "Well, I'm trusting in my military skill." Well, you're going to you're going to, you're trusting in the wrong thing, honey child. Man, you got to trust in God Almighty. God's the only one that can protect you in that day. And if He don't protect you, He don't protect you, you just might as well say, Lord, I love you. I'm coming home. Right? No, money can only, only do so much for us. It won't protect you from the wrath of God. In fact, one place in the prophet, the Bible says they're going to take that money, the silver, and throw it in the streets, man. Now, if you're a child of God, prepare. 
I think it's good that you've got food stored up. And some people say, well, I don't, I don't need to do that, you know, because we're not going to go in the tribulation anyway. We're going to be pre-tribulationally raptured, so I don't need to store food. I say if you're a wise believer, you'll store food. Amen? Okay. Verse 5. Hey, everybody ready to go into the tribulation period? Well, it may have already started. And I, I'm still waiting. Tim, he's looking at where he is on everything to give me a final date when he's going to come. Okay? Uh, but we'll, we'll have some real interesting teaching on Bible prophecy pretty soon. Right? Make sure you're right with God. That's the only thing going to deliver you in that time. Just being right with God. Ain't nothing, ain't, like ain't, like that word ain't. Nothing else going to help you. But your righteousness. You may spend all your time, all your effort, and you put all that effort and all your time in the wrong thing. Amen? Yeah! Yeah, they thought they had it figured out, didn't they? Okay, verse uh, 5. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way, but the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. Self-explanatory, man. It, it, you know, wickedness has a, a way like mischief. We'll talk about mischief. Mischief means to try to destroy anything that's good. Mischief and wickedness have a way of tracking you down. You're a wicked person. The wickedness that you do will eventually find you. It will chase you down. That's just the way it is. Reaping and sowing. Okay. But if you're righteous, the good news, the righteousness of, of the perfect shall direct his way. I love that. But the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. You can't outsmart God. Verse 6, The righteous of the upright shall deliver them But transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Verse 7, When a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of unjust men perish. So even beyond the tribulation period, the time of God's wrath is the time of judgment. You die without God, as the Bible says here, his expectation shall perish. Let me just say this. You know this. There's no hope in hell. There's no investments in hell, made in hell. There's no plans made in hell. All the expectation of the wicked are lost. Amen? But the hope of the just and the hope of unjust men perish. The righteous is delivered out of trouble and the wicked cometh in his stead. Now, again, that word delivered means to be drawn out. So God says the righteous are going to be delivered. They're going to be drawn out of that, that, that trouble. God will draw them out. And he said, but in the place of the person that God drew out of the trouble, he said the wicked, as the Bible says, cometh in his stead. Now, biblical example of this is Daniel. Okay, Daniel was a faithful man of God in Babylon. 
And uh, man, that doesn't just mean he had to deal with the idolatry that was in Babylon. He had to deal with the mentality of Babylon. Right? Mentality of Babylon. Babylon is all about making you God. And so he overcame all of that and he continued to worship the one true God in the midst of a Babylonian mentality, a Babylonian idolatrous system. Okay? And so there came a time when the king made a decree that nobody could pray. And what did Daniel do? He kept praying. Just like he did before. And anybody that prayed was going to be taken and be cast into a den of what? Lions. Not a lion's den. Who cares if you get thrown in a lion's den? But if you get thrown in a den of lions, that's a different story. You got lions in the den. See? He said, well, he got cast into the lion's den. No, he got cast into a den of lions. Okay? And what did God do? He shut the mouth of the lion. God drew him out. God delivered him. He drew him out of that trouble. And the king went and found out that Daniel, you know, was still alive, that God delivered him, drew him out, the mouth of the lion, and then... Uh, the king said, take all those people, all those accusers of Daniel, and in the place of Daniel, you throw them in there. And those accusers, man, they didn't even hit the ground. Those lions got them and tore, broke their bones. Hallelujah. God, Bible's the Word of God's true. He draws out the righteous. That means He delivers the righteous out of trouble. And the wicked cometh in His stead. I want to live for God, man. Hey, it does. It works. Living for God works. Well, how to? You know, Daniel probably could have thought with a thing. Well, God, here I've been faithful to you, praying, and this is what I get. Get thrown into a den of lions. This is just the thanks I get, God. God drew him out, and the accusers were destroyed. Like the Word of God says. Verse 9, a hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Now, the hypocrite with his mouth, that means you've got some people, uh, you have contrast here, you know, hypocrite, uh, the knowledge of the just, but the hypocrite, but the hypocrite destroys with the mouth. That means you have somebody that's always scheming, always planning, somehow, Say to say something to destroy you. And that's what he's talking about. These are people that are schemers. All they do is sit around thinking about how they can destroy and they use their mouth to destroy, right? His neighbor. But through knowledge shall the just deliver. I believe that, don't you? Amen. Verse 10, When it goeth well with the righteous... You begin move verse ten through fifteen. We're dealing with the now a community. Okay, what happens when uh, you have the righteous in a community, a city? Tells us here uh, verse ten. When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoiceth. When the wicked perish, they're shouting and they're celebrating. Everybody's celebrating. That guy died. Yay! Praise God. We're done with him. You know. <laughs> Y'all probably seen some historical documentaries. You know these. 
ruthless leaders, uh, they got killed or they whatever died and everybody's celebrating in the streets and they got their dead bodies laying on the ground and, you know, just all happy they're dead. You know, it's sad when, some, when you die and everybody's happy you died. And that's what it's talking about. I don't want people to be happy when I die. <laughs> now, if they're, they're wicked, if they're wicked and they're happy I'm, die, I dead, I'm dead, that's okay, but you know. And, When it goeth well with the, with the righteous, the city rejoiceth when the wicked perish. There are shouting people are happy about that. Verse 11. By the blessings of the upright, the city is exalted. But if it is overthrown, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. You know? And remember, there's a lot in this. It could, a city can be a city like Odessa. It can be a city like a church. A church is a city. Okay, so you got to keep all that in mind. Verse 12, He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. Now, so this is what can be harmful to a community, to a city, okay, to a church, a city, your family, whatever. Uh, he is void of wisdom, despises his neighbor. That means it's harmful. They're harmful to the neighbor, trying to destroy them. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. With you with me here? Okay. A talebearer re revealeth secrets. Say tattletale. Yeah, tattletale. You're a tattletale. That's what we used to call people. And they tell on you, you know, you're a tattletale. Right? A talebearer. Okay, tattletale. Now, here's the thing about it. <clears throat> This passage, a talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. The only exception is, is that when that needs to be made known to proper authority. Now, if you go and you tell something on somebody else to somebody that doesn't have any authority, then you're just a gossiper. That's all you're doing. You're just passing on gossip and you're just a talebearer. That's all you are. That's all you are, okay? Basically, let me just put it to you this way. You're just an informant. That's all you are. But if somebody's done something wrong and you bring it to proper authority, that is always biblical. That's, that's, that should be done, okay? Because authority will know what to do and can do something about it. So don't be a talebearer. Don't be a tattletale. Don't be an informant. Don't be a mole. Okay. A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is faithful spirit concealeth the matter. There's some things you just you know you might know, you just keep it to yourself. There's no sense in you going around sharing it with everybody, telling everybody. Right? But anyway, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? How how in a church even this small Something can be said, and all of a sudden, the whole everybody knows about it, man. I go, woo! You might want to be careful because I might be setting you up, and I might I might say something just to see if you're going to go and. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but if I want to find out who the mole in the church is, I, I probably have some some wisdom on how to do that. I can probably narrow it down pretty quick.
Okay, if I wanted to. Sometimes I could really care less, <laughs> to be honest with you. But you're always going to have him. Yeah. Okay? Well, ultimately a tattletale or a talebearer, gossip or moe, informant. It's all about them anyway. They got hidden agendas. It's all about them. Yeah. And eventually, eventually, God's going to get them. Look at your neighbor and say, God's going to get them. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's going to get them. Now, I know I'm not shouting and running and screaming like I normally do, but I don't need to. Okay? In the Proverbs. Alright, verse 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, the word counsel, it means helmsman. And we're really not, because we're not much into shipping around here, because there's not much water in West Texas, you know, you got to drive two, three hundred miles to find any water. So we're really not into shipping. And uh, but a helmsman is somebody who steers the ship. Okay, so he's talking about right here where there is no helmsman, nobody to steer the ship. The people will fall. Uh, you, you, it is important that everybody has a counselor in their life. David had a Hithphil. We talked about that. It is important that you have a counselor in your life. Amen? Because if you don't, and you're trying to guide your own life, you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Well, you've got some people in your life that can give you counsel, okay, and help you guide the ship in life. You're a very wise person because you won't fall. Okay? You never, never look to counsel from anybody else. Now, the thing about it is, once you go to somebody for counsel, and it's good counsel, you better listen to it. You better do it because that will steer your ship. That'll keep you going down the right path. You throw that counsel off and say, well, I'm going to do it my own way. Then you don't have a helmsman steering the ship. And as a result of that, you're going to fall. Everybody needs counsel. There's times I'm even my life, in my life, I say, okay, I'll talk to some people. Okay. Talk to some people. Get some wisdom. Get some insight. Because I need it. Everybody does. Everybody does. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Amen? You want protection. You want, you want a lot of people in your life giving you counsel. Amen? People who are qualified to give you counsel. Don't go to people that don't, <laughs> can't help you. Hey, what do you think I ought to do? Well, yeah, okay. And uh, their life's all messed up. You're seeking direction from them. That's why you're in the sometimes in the mess you're in, because you're listening to the wrong people. You gotta listen to the we have to listen to the right people, man. Um, multitude of counselors. There's what safety. Hallelujah. Verse 15, he that is surety for a stranger, that means the guarantor for debt. Okay? Surety for a, for a what? Stranger. Now, I don't believe the Bible will forbid you to be a cosigner or a guarantor for debt. If it's family and you feel like you're okay with that, you're willing to take on that responsibility, that means if they don't pay, you pay. That's your business. 
But I still don't think it's very wise. Because a lot of times you stand there as a guarantee for a debt for family members, it will create a lot of problems in your family. So if you can stay away from it, you know, like it said before when we studied Proverbs 6, you go straight back to that person and say, hey, you know, if I can be freed from this, I want to be free from this. I don't want to guarantee your debt. Okay? Because eventually what you have to understand, if you become the guarantee for somebody else's debt, that will affect your future. It'll affect your future. Yeah. So when it comes to being a guarantee for somebody's debt, the Word of God really gives a lot of negative on that. Don't do it. It's not a wise thing to do. Okay, now if you go, well, I just, I'm trying to help my kids establish their credit. And I understand all that. I do. I get that. Okay. But it's still risky, is it not? Ray, we talked about it right before. That's the way the salesman, that's his favorite go-to thing, man. If you're a salesman, I mean, it's all right. It's good. It's business. But that's their favorite go-to thing. You got somebody to co-sign for you. That means I'll make my banker happy and I'll make the buyer happy at the same time. But that means you step in and you're the one who says, I'll pay it if it's not paid. Okay, say praise the Lord. Now, God goes on and says, if you do that, you're going to smart. I mean, there's going to be some pain with it. Right? There's going to be some pain to come with it. Jesus Christ, though, in the New Testament, smarted for it. Because the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, He became a surety for us. He became the guarantee. This world was bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt when He came. And He said, I'll, stay, I'll stand good for it. I'll pay the price. I'll guarantee it. But listen, that proverb still applied. Because he got nails in his hands to do it. And he got nails in his feet and open side. He smarted for it. Okay? So I know you love, I know you love, some of you love like Jesus. You're willing to be crucified. Amen? And okay, just make sure God's leading you to do it. it definitely, Jesus was in the will of God, but he smarted for it. When God's leading you to do it, then do it. Okay, amen. Praise the Lord. There's some things, there's some things that uh, I get concerned about. You know, I really do. I get concerned about it and I say, I think to myself, you know, I probably experienced some pain over that decision. But I'm trying to further the kingdom of God. And so I'm willing to pay the price. Okay. And I'm not going to get into the details. Okay. Amen. But Sometimes when you stand as the surety or the guarantee for somebody else, it's going to bring some pain for you. And if it's of God, if you're led by God to do that, then that's, that's fine. Amen. But if you're doing it on your own, don't blame God. Why not get in this mess, God? Because and God said, well, I gave you the word and you jumped into it. Okay. Amen. He that hateth uh, sure to ship is sure. You hate it. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Look to your neighbor and say, sweet woman, strong man. 
sweet woman, strong man. Is there any such thing as a sweet woman? <laughs> I'm already in trouble, man. I'm telling you, man. I... Of course there is, because God would not have talked about it if there isn't. Okay? A sweet woman, strong man. Hmm. <laughs> All you men who are married to sweet women, say praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. All you women who are married to strong men, say praise the Lord. Yeah, y'all were even quieter. <laughs> Feelings mutual. Praise the Lord. The battle of the sexes. Even in church, we have the battle of the sexes. And I started. No, that's... No, I'm just kidding. Sweet woman. Strong man. I strong man. Caveman. Oh, boy. What verse is that? I lost my place. Yeah, 16. A gracious woman retaineth honor and a strong man retain riches. Amen? So, but I mean, in all seriousness, that is true. So women, be gracious. It's, it's something, it's very powerful. A woman is very powerful who's a gracious woman. Okay? I don't know much about Queen Victoria, but I've read a little bit about Queen Victoria. And from what I understand about her, I think she reigned like 60 years. And um, she was, they say, that kind of a woman. <laughs> okay? Very gracious, very upright, very God-fearing. Okay? Uh, <clears throat> in fact, one time somebody came into her presence, a man came into her presence and spoke an off-colored joke, if you know what I mean, a bad joke. And she was so... Um, gracious and so upright that she just simply said, uh, that did not amuse us. Uh, okay? Be an upright woman. Be a godly woman. Okay? So we have, praise the Lord. I mean, she did great things. Hallelujah. Her name Victoria, Victoria. And Brother Dice always called her Queenie. All the time. Queen Victoria. So praise the Lord. You know, maybe she'll do great things. I'm praying that she does. Do great things for the kingdom of God. <laughs> Sweet women, gracious women, strong men. Believe that. Gracious woman retaineth honor, strong men retain riches. It's good. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. It's, in, it's important for us to be compassionate and to be merciful to people. Amen. If, you're, if you're, you have a what we call disposition of mercy and compassion, that's a good thing. Amen. 
If you are you are a cruel kind of individual, you'll trouble yourself. And I think really only compassionate people are Christians. In the true sense of the word. A non-Christian is a cruel person. You talk about the Canaanites. ISIS. People like that. Cruel hearted man. Okay. Um, there are people, brothers and sisters, that they absolutely hate Christianity. They hate it. And they're cruel. They're cruel in their heart. So... As the Word of God says, the merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. So when you get in a situation where you need to make a decision between being cruel or being compassionate, being cruel or being merciful, be compassionate. Amen? You help yourself. You help yourself. You act in a cruel manner, man, you're going you're gonna to hurt yourself. You're going to trouble yourself. So think about it when you get in these situations. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. Uh, as righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. So we're just going through a contrast of values here. They that are of a forward heart are an abomination to the Lord, right? So again, we're taking it up to beyond just social living, social skills to the fear of the Lord level. All of these verses. You're either an idolater practicing the opposite of the valuable the things that are valuable or you're a true worshiper of God and you're walking in righteousness to these, these things that the Bible is talking about here. Okay? Righteous tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. They that are of the forward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. That per forward means perverse. Okay? Perverse. They're twisted. They're forward. They're off the wrong path. The direction it should be, they're going the wrong direction. They're not going the proper direction, okay? And God says with the forward, He will show Himself forward. So you get crossways with God, okay? God, God will show Himself forward with you. So you don't want to do that. They that are forward heart abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their ways are His delight. Verse 21. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be what? Delivered. That's over and over and again. We see these blessings that come to the righteous. They shall be delivered. Amen. What are you saying? Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered eventually. doesn't matter who get together in the lie and shake hands, you know, with each other. Hey, man, we're going to get together here, you know. And I'm going to support you. You support me. And You can get a bunch. You can get a number of people, okay, to side with you against God, but you'll never win. Because numbers will not prevail. Yeah, it doesn't matter. God always going to stand on the side of right, not the majority. He's going to stand on the right side of right. So you can get a bunch of people standing with you in agreement, have a spirit of agreement. But if God, if you're against God, it won't stand. You strike hand, join hand to hand, make deals with each other. Eventually, the truth will prevail. 
and amen. There's no strength in numbers against God. Verse 22. Uh, as a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. Now we move into things that are confusing. And I say confusion is to see a beautiful woman who doesn't have any common sense. Beautiful woman with no common sense. A be beautiful woman with no discretion. That means she doesn't have character. It's really beautiful on the outside, but the character is not what it's supposed to be. So uh, her beauty is like the gold ring. The value is the gold ring. Okay, but because she doesn't have discretion, she's like a big pig. Big. So you got the the beautiful gold ring and the ugly pig. Okay. Right, and just don't go together. The beautiful ring and the ugly pig don't go together. That's confusion. And I asked somebody if you ever seen a pig with a ring in his nose, and I think Branson said he had. Where's Branson? Is he here? He's right there. Hey, man. He said, I've seen one. <laughs> so I don't know if he's talking about a pretty girl that don't have no mind or if he's talking about a, an actual pig with a ring in his nose. But that's... That's what God's Word saying. So you can have outward beauty. That's the ring of gold. But if you don't have character, amen, then that's the big pig. So what He's saying is that you and I shouldn't focus on the ring. You shouldn't focus on the outward beauty. You should be focusing on the big pig. Hey, praise the Lord. I'll just tell you this. I'm just going to tell you, you holy women out there, that if you're ugly in spirit, you got an ugly character. I don't care how, how pretty you might be on the outside. If your spirit's ugly, there's no amount of makeup that can cover ugliness. You can put on makeup till you're blue in the face. But if you're ugly on the inside, you're going to be ugly on the outside. You can't cover it up. You can put the gold ring in the, in the nose, man, and try to make it look good, but it's not, it's not going to look good. You can't cover ugly spirit. You can't, you, God, God puts a premium on character, on spirit, on, hallelujah, somebody that, that wants to do what's right and wrong. Amen. Now, where's the focus today? The focus today is on outward beauty. See, that they make the outward beauty the big and the character the small. Where God is saying the outward beauty is the small and the character is the big. And if you, if you hate integrity, if you hate discretion, then you're, that's the big pig. Amen? So a lot of people, I'm telling you, man, Especially young men, they see a, a pretty woman, pretty girl, and even in the church, whoo, man, they're after her. They want her because she's got, you know, the looks and everything. Uh, but you better find out what's on the inside of her before you, before you make a commitment because she might be a big old fat pig with a gold ring in her nose. And you don't want to find that out too late. <laughs> okay, now, 
Now, for all you ladies out there that are offended, it goes both ways. You find a good-looking young man, amen, and he doesn't want to live right, okay? He just, you're something wrong in his character. He might really have the looks, okay? And whoo, boy, you fall for him because he got the looks, got the muscle, maybe the money, but on the inside, he doesn't have character, integrity. You're going to end up paying a big price. You want to you want to stay away from that. You want to find out what's on in the heart. You know you can see physically on the outside the gold ring. You can see that that's the first thing you're going to see. It's the first thing everybody sees. But what's in the heart of that man? What's so it goes both ways. When you preach this, you got to understand that I'm not just speaking to women. I'm speaking to men here. Say praise the Lord, Hallelujah. So when I got Sister Christina, I got beauty and discretion at the same time. Amen? So thank you, Jesus, for that. So don't focus on the outward beauty all the time. I mean, right? You know, there's some women, they never get anything done in life because all they're doing is primping and painting and Worrying about how pretty or ugly, you know, good looking they are, and okay, praise the Lord. I tell you, there, I'm just telling you, there's no amount of, amount of makeup. Jezebel had makeup, it didn't help her. She was of the devil. Okay? So focus on what's important. What's important. And what God is saying is what's important in this passage is you got a big pig. And that is a woman that doesn't care anything about right and wrong. She got pretty. She's pretty, but that's it. Okay, say amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I don't know if this is going to do any good. You know, you're still going to get, some of y'all still going to be swept off your feet by looks and thanks, man, that's it. I mean, honestly, you men out there, wouldn't you rather have a woman, a good woman, a good-hearted woman, Amen. And she might not be the most beautiful thing on the planet, but she's good-hearted. Wouldn't you rather have a good-hearted woman that maybe not be the most beautiful thing in the world? Or would you rather have a, a beautiful, outwardly, beautifully woman, but she's a devil on the inside? Which one do you want? So I'll take my chances with a pretty girl. Yeah, yeah well, you marry her and you'll be saying something different. Amen. You hang around him just a little bit. Hang around that guy a little bit. Hang around that woman a little bit. Find out what kind of person they are. Amen. Find out how they respond, how they react to certain circumstances, situations of life. I'm going to tell you something. If they mistreat you before you get married, it's going to be ten times worse after you get married. Right? You know why it's going to be worse after you get married? Because they own you then. And they might tell you all day long, well, I won't treat you like that, honey. Yeah, but there's something about marriage. Once you get married, the husband owns the wife and the wife owns the husband. Just kind of the way it is, even if it's un not said. That's the reality, you know. 
Amen. So you better you better look at the signs before you get married. Anybody here say amen? Oh, okay. Some of y'all been married before, still are married? Say amen. Yeah. Well, I'll straighten them out when they get married to me. I'll get them, I'll get them where they're supposed to be, Pastor. No, they're going to be ten times worse. You hear what I'm saying? And I'm not just talking about women. I'm talking about men. Even young men. They got looks, but you better find out what makes them tick. Do they love God? Are they on fire for God? Watch them over a period of time in church. Do you see them worshiping? That's the most important thing. You want to make a decision. You want to make a decision not on outward looks. You want to make a decision on what kind of walk with God does that young man have? What kind of walk with God does that young woman have? Praise the Lord. Or do you think you get married all of a sudden when you get married, then they're going to get on fire for God? If they weren't on fire for God before, they're not going to get on fire for God when you get married. In fact, it's going to be just the word, just the opposite. If they're not praying before you get married, they're not going to pray after they get married. If they're not worshiping before you get married, they're not going to worship after you get married. You better make sure before you make that commitment that the most important thing is in place. And that's God. Don't roll the dice and say, I'll take my chances. That's why there's all these casinos in Las Vegas. You know? They're, they're the ones that prosper. Not the person that goes in there and gambles. Amen? You roll the dice, you're going to lose. And it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. Okay? Say amen. So you make sure you keep your eye on them. You keep your eye on them in church, man. You say, yeah, that's, that's a woman of God. I see her. I see her go through trials. I've seen her over a period of time. She prays. She worships God. You know, she's not somebody, some crazy wacko, emotional basket case. I'm not putting you down. I'm just telling you, man, you better be sure. Because there's beauty is the small ring. The character, if it's not good, is the big pig. And the pigs, look at you can never say the pig's ugly. The ring's pretty, but the pig's ugly. Yeah. Praise the Lord. All right. I love how when I'm preaching like this that people start looking on the floor and looking. I mean, it is amazing, really, how all of a sudden everything shifts, you know. Attention, focus, you know. Mm -hmm. So you come in my office and say, Oh, Pastor, I'm just in love with him. I'm just in love with her. I'm going to say, Little ring or big pig? Which one? Little ring or big pig. Amen. I mean, I don't believe the Word of God. You've got to believe the Word of God, man. 
God, God's trying to... I'm spending a little time on this. God's trying to help some of you. Will you listen? Now, if you're godly, you love God, you're on fire, you got good character, and you have looks to go with it, man, you're doubly blessed. You need to thank God for that. But most of the time, most of the time, a lot of times, it don't work that way. Because people that have looks, they got a lot of pride. Okay? A lot of pride. And you don't find that out until maybe sometime it's too late. Say praise the Lord. Some. <clears throat> My daughter says, you know, she said, Daddy, I'm just going to marry me an ugly one because the ugly ones stay true to you. You didn't tell me that? Yes, you did. <laughs> but then when it all comes down to it, we'll see what happens. But oh, You did tell me that. Praise the Lord. Well, now you know what to pray for. Pray for a godly man with good looks. And a godly woman with good looks. Then you got the ring and the right person. Okay? How many of y'all, how many of y'all would like to get married, stand at an altar, and find out you put a ring on a pig? And it wasn't even on the fingers and the nose. Some of y'all said, already done that. Did that before. Yeah, shaking the head, man. Y'all were saying, you're bad, Pastor. I'm trying to help you. Marriage is a long time, man. Okay, it's a big, long commitment. You better make absolutely sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to help you a little further. Just a little. Can I help you a little bit more? If your pastor says... You better put on the brakes. You better put on the brakes. Because I don't say that very often. And if I tell you to put them on, you better put them on. And you better not rebel. Yeah, you can do it behind the back and you can do your own thing. But I'm going to tell you something. There's a reason why your pastor's saying you need to hold on just a little bit. Okay? Praise the Lord. Don't you think that somebody is looking out for you? And mom and dad, if they love God, mom and dad loves God, and they look at you and they tell you, now, woo, no, I don't think so. You better listen. You don't keep pushing your way. They might already have discerned you got a pig with a nose ring. All right? Come on, man. Quit overriding people who want to help you. The multitude of counselors, their safety. You let so you trying to steer your own boat, and nobody's going to steer it for you, help you. You're going, you're heading for trouble, man. Okay, I think you got it. If you got it, say Amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Beauty's only skin deep. Why aren't y'all shouting? Yeah, about time.
Y'all want me to preach about the New Jerusalem, right? That way, no practical application. <laughs> Amen. Let's don't talk about this, Pastor. But God's Word, He's trying to help us. He's trying to help us. I'll tell you something, man. Can I tell you something? As beautiful as my wife is, you know what won me to her? Was her beautiful spirit. Man, I'd, I'd walk into church, and she was like 13 years old, and I was 18, and she's always so kind and sweet and just, just as sweet as she could possibly be. She's too sweet. Amen. And then she married me. If she's not sweet anymore, it's because of me. She's sweet at times. But, but man, I'll tell you, man. And she's beautiful too. Okay? So praise the Lord. Be careful. Be real careful. Oh my, you know, I'm... I'm 19 years old and I'm not married yet. Oh my, I've got to get me somebody. I'm going to be an old maid. No, what are you talking about? Well, why don't you wait till you're about 25 when the frontal lobes of your brain are fully developed? You can make good decisions. Okay? Well, everybody's getting married. I want to get married too. <laughs> okay. Why don't you wait and see what happens to their marriage first? Now, then, I'm not talking about Andrew and Angelica. Okay, I'm not talking about y'all. But have y'all have you observed how people how happy they are before they get married, and then after they get married, they come in and they're totally shocked. Okay, why don't you take note of that? I mean, it looks like they're in another world. You know, like what in the world has happened to me? I'm not talking about you. And I'm, not, I'm not talking to... <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Say praise the Lord. So when you see that, you start thinking now, what's going on there? <laughs> Happy before, now come in and looks like they're in total shock. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Jesus. God's good. But how many of y'all found, found a gold woman? Just a gold woman. Not, not a pig with gold ring, but a gold woman. You found a gold woman. How many of y'all found the gold man? That's what I'm telling you, man. But they'll be different, Pastor. Oh, they're the same. Oh, they'll be different. Ain't nobody around here. They'll be different somewhere else. I say, no, they're the same everywhere you everywhere you go. Same everywhere you go. I know, because I is one. You can take me and put me in Taiwan, I'm still the same. You know? <clears throat> Don't be chasing rainbows. 
That's confusion, isn't it? How many of y'all agree that's confusion to have a pig with a gold ring in it? It doesn't, it doesn't go together. Neither does beauty, a, a beautiful woman with, with no character. Doesn't, shh, just doesn't work. Just doesn't work. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Believe that, don't you? Look at that. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. Think about it. Daniel was a righteous man. His expectation was good. Belshazzar was the king of Babylon. And wrath came on him. That's, this is God. This is God putting everything in right perspective. It's putting in a balance. Okay? Many, many ticky all your farce and handwriting over on the wall. You're weighed in the balances and you're found wanting. This is God's appraisal. And God will put every one of us in the balance. And He will make an appraisal. And you're either going to be like Daniel in the end times or you're going to be like Belshazzar in the end times. I don't want to be weighed in the balance and found wanting. Daniel wasn't, but Belshazzar was. So we see it. The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is what? Wrath. There is that scattereth. Now, move into the next section of things that are valuable. If you want to increase in wealth, how many of y'all would like to increase in wealth? Okay? That's good. That's good if you do. Okay? Again, God doesn't mind if you are wealthy. God wants to bless you. But you cannot trust in riches. You have to trust in God. Abraham was rich. trusted God. Lot was rich, but he trusted in riches. He was always looking for the next business opportunity. Okay? Pissed his tent towards Sodom. And you know the end result of that. But look at it here. It says, if you want wealthy to be wealthy, here's how you get it. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but is tended to poverty. If you want increase in your life, then you be a giver. If you want to be a poor person in, in, in life, be stingy. Don't be a giver. Okay? God will bless your life if you are a giver. He that giveth, receiveth. A lot of people, they don't ever learn this principle. So what happens is oftentimes they'll see somebody in the church and that person, man, they're getting blessed and they got all upset about it. Why is that person getting blessed and not me? If you look at that person's life, I will tell you the reason for their blessing is at some point in their life, even though it may be subject to change, at some point in their life they were givers. Even today, businessmen, they might not even claim to be Christians. They might not even claim to be a believer. They might not claim to even live for the Lord. But there are business owners, successful businessmen, that bring their tithe on their business. And even though they're not believers, God has blessed their business because they understand the principle of giving and receiving. 
sowing and reaping. If you're the kind of person, man, you hold that dollar, you know what I'm saying, really tight, you hold it tight, what's going to happen? Nothing can come into the hand. Wealth, money, has to be held loosely. You have to be the kind of person that comes here, and it wants to, if God leads you to give it, you give it. Hold, don't hold, don't hold money tight. It is to be held loosely. So that when you like this, that means you're ready to receive. Well, you go through life and you're just, you're like the miser. You're counting every penny. You know, putting it in the bag. Every coin. And they count it every night. Make sure you, none's missing. You know, you count it every night. You put the bag back. Guess what? You'll eventually come to poverty. Okay? See, businessmen understand the principle of giving. So many of them will tithe and they don't even go to church because they understand that principle. To give is to receive. If you want wealth to increase in your life, if you want blessings to increase in your life, you have to be taught to give. And that's what the Word of God says. This principle can change a nation. It can change a country. A country that is poverty stricken, if they will learn this teaching of wisdom to be a giver, then God will turn around and bless them with abundance. This is the key. Smart businessmen know you gotta spend money to make money. Okay? Now that doesn't mean for the individual that you, that you and I can spend ourselves into wealth. You can't spend your way into, into prosperity. Okay? I'm not talking about you as an individual. I'm talking about in the business transaction, you have to be willing to spend money to make money. You have to give in order to receive. Another principle, I mean another thought, is that you cannot outgive God. It is impossible to outgive God. So when you get in the kingdom of God, if you understand this and you are a giver and you give and you give and you give, then all of a sudden God opens the windows of heaven and begins to pour out a blessing that you cannot receive. Do not forget what got you where you are. Because sometimes when you get so blessed, now you have bought so much and there's so much outgo, now you've got to cut back on your giving to the kingdom of God because of your debt load. Remember what got you where you were was your ability to give. And I pastored some people here, some people in this church for a long time. And I saw that when they first came in the, in the church, man, they give large amounts to God. Not just tithe, but offering. And God, man, He opened up the windows of heaven and blessed those people. And they are blessed today. But don't forget what got you where you are. The key to wealth is to give. And I don't have to preach that today because, you know, that the church is in such debt that I need to raise money. I don't need to. We're debt free. God has blessed this church. Okay? So you are a giving, you are a giving church. You are a giving church. But that's why you're blessed. Amen?
So there's the scattereth and yet increases. So you scatter, you sow, but yet you still increase. Because you live by that principle, man. You live with this, with this generosity in you. See, you're either going to be generous or you're going to be stingy. And if you live with a generous spirit, man, you're constantly giving. Okay? It is amazing that no matter how much you scatter, how much you give, you keep increasing. Why? Because God gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He knows if you are the kind of person that will sow or not. And if you're the kind of person who will sow, who will scatter, God's going to make sure I'm going to put some seed in that person's hand because they're going to do something with it. They're going to scatter it. He gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. That means He will give you something to sow with and after you sow it, you're still not going to lack. He's going to give you bread to eat. And we don't need anything. This church doesn't need anything tonight except for a revival. But I will tell you right now, the moment individually you get this in your spirit, I'm going to be stingy. I'm not going to bring my tithe. I'm not going to bring an offering to God. Guess what? You're getting ready to hit poverty. And I'm not putting a curse on you. I'm just telling you that by the Word of God, you cannot be that kind of person. Expect to prosper. Amen? So if you can learn this early, and some of you have learned it early, to be a giver, to be a scatterer, to be somebody that is not going to hold on to everything they've got. Yeah, I mean, I've been in situations, I've talked to one particular family in here that's going through a hard time financially, a season, because of some health issues. <laughs> then they bring their tithes, and they bring offering above the tithes, and they were having a hard time paying their bills. And I understand that principle. I said, you know what? I said, you're a, you're a person of faith, but I want you to take that offering and I want you to pay your bill, okay? But you see, that ha they had that in their spirit that even when they couldn't pay their bill, they're still going to bring their offering above their tithe. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Well, guess what? They went through that season, but the Holy Ghost spoke a word to them one night. And God said to them, that he was fixing to turn it around. And I, and I don't want to embellish the time frame, but I think it was less than a week. I got a call. This man had received a promotion. He became a manager of a business. So God fulfilled his promise to that person. He said, I'm going to turn it around in a week. And now they're starting to come out. It's taking a little time but they're starting to get their feet back under them. Why? Because they have that spirit to give. It's better to give than to receive. Look for ways to bless, and you do. That's why this church is blessed. I think, but we still need, to, still need to hear this. We can't lose this. Amen? That's why we need to be a part of the work in Zambia. We need to be a part of the work in Taiwan. We need to sow outside, even from ourselves, so it doesn't just benefit here, this house, this church. It should help somebody else away from us, outside of us. And if we will, then God will bless this house. If we help somebody else to have revival, God will help this one to have revival. That's the way the kingdom of God works.
But how is it sometimes that we're so blessed by God? And then all of a sudden we say, oh, we start making calculations. Well, you know, I, I'm not going to give now offering like I used to. You know why? Because we've got so much money now, we've put ourselves in debt. Before you, before you start buying stuff, make sure that you still have enough to give and tithe and offering. Because you cross that line. Yeah, 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 you got, you got things, but things are nothing. And prosperity is more than money. Amen? Prosperity is more than money. If you got your family intact, are y'all with me? You got your health. Prosperity is more than money. And there's a spiritual principle in giving. When you give, he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. There'll be a harvest that you won't even be able to receive. God will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You won't be able to receive. Powerful. Learn it. Learn it early. God will bless you. Be faithful and God will bless you. Amen. Amen. How many y'all believe the Word of God? The liberal soul shall be made fat. See, this is still in the same section. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. If you want to increase in wealth, God is showing you how. And that is to be a giver. Amen. Be a joyful giver. God loveth a cheerful giver. You're stingy-spirited. Stingy-spirited, man. No. Be the kind of person that's generous. It's important for us to be that kind of people. Amen? And God will bless you. I've seen her, her dad and mother, her dad and mom, Christina's dad and mom, they weren't even in the church. But I've seen them do things generous. They would, they're not here, so I'm just going to tell you. They would have a house, they would sell a house, the person buying the house would be making payments to them. And my mother and father in law would say, Okay, you've paid this month this much, you're free. You don't owe anything else. And they would release the debt on that house. And they would do that just over and over. Her mom and her dad are some of the most giving people on the planet that I know. Okay? And they have everything they need. And they've got abundance. And guess what? They're completely debt free. They don't own anything. On a house, on a car, zero. Okay? That's prosperity. We can have cars lined up in our house and nice house, but we're still paying for it. <laughs> what is that? Is that prosperity? They're debt free. But they were, or the people who release the debts of other people. Okay? They taught, I'm going to tell you something. They, they taught me a lot. Not so much how to give into the kingdom of God, but they taught me a lot about life. Okay? 
So I've, I've tried to do some of the same things that they've done. Okay, release the debts of other people. Be a giver, man. God will bless you. You help somebody, guess what? God will be there to help you in time. It will come around. You might be in a season right now of drought, but it will eventually turn around. You water somebody, God's going to water you eventually. That's why you can't quit. You can't give up. Because your harvest is waiting for you. Be encouraged. Don't look at pockets of life. Look at the big picture. It takes time for there to be a harvest. Keep being a giver. Keep being generous. Well, I don't know. It work for me. They'll all go bitter. All bitter. You know? There's some some of these hell spas now they're offering this thing if you got if you have a certain kind of face you know you walk in life you got a certain kind of face it's this mean look it, they, it, they say it's a frown you know I mean it's just a normal look right but you just go through life you got this frown on your face all the time and it's not a real inviting thing you know some of y'all need to go to that spa but they, they now have a procedure that you can go through to remove that frown off of your face. Well, I got the answer. You don't even have to go spend the money. Be generous. Be a giver. Hallelujah. God loves the cheerful giver, man. You start getting joy. It's only when we have to, you know, you know, become like a dead sea. Never giving anything out. Just the dead sea. It's all about me and me and my family and that's it. Me and my church and that's it. Birds don't even fly over the dead sea. It's so dead. Birds don't even fly over it. I've never seen an unhappy person that was a giver. seen a lot of unhappy people that were like this. Because money don't make you happy. It's when you're able to give it. Say praise God. If you want to be wealthy, you listen to the Word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know what you ought to do? Go back to the pig in the gold ring. When, when I'm going to do... No, I'm thinking about it. What you as parents ought to do when, when they come to you and they say, well, I'm thinking about so-and-so, you know, being with them. Don't ask them what kind of car they drive. Don't ask them what kind of job they have. All that's important, but don't, don't let that be the first thing. Okay, you with me? Don't say what kind of car they drive. Where do they work? No, ask them one question. How much do they give to God? And if they're givers, and they give a lot to the kingdom of God, you've got something. That's right. Y'all okay out there? Everybody? Well, I don't have anything to give. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. You got something to give. Everybody has something to give. But if you know what? You say, okay, God, you know what? I haven't been a giver, but I want to be a giver. And you said you would give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. 
So I want to be a sower. Give me some seed, Lord. And then after he gives you the seed, don't go put it, hide it in the pantry. Somebody said, praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you something right now, brothers and sisters. You are blessed. God has blessed your life. And you need to lift your eyes to heaven and be thankful for what God has done for you. Because when you first got in the church, you think about where God found you before you got in the church. And where you are now. And it's not because of you are so smart or so great. It's because God blessed your life. Because you learned how to love him and to live for him and to give to him and serve him. That's why you change that approach. And your life will come to poverty. God knows what he's saying. Businessmen know this. They are not going to heaven. They're not going to heaven. But they bring their tithe to God and offerings to God. They're not going to heaven. But they know that, that law, that's a law, man. That's a law. There's a woman of God here in the church right now. Her husband's not even in the church. Not even in the church. But they tithe off his check. And even though he's not in the church, and at this point right now, he's not going to heaven. Okay? That's, that's tough, but that's reality. But their life is blessed financially. Because this is a law in the kingdom of God. How many want to be wealthy? Yeah, amen. I am wealthy. Let's never say, I am wealthy. I'm wealthy. Yeah. You know how you know when you're wealthy? You help other people. When it's no longer just about you and waiting for somebody to come and give you all the time, it's when then you can start helping other people. That's when you know you're wealthy. <laughs> Praise the Lord. As far as receiving, you know when you're wealthy? It's not when you go out and work eight, ten hours a day and it's X amount of dollars per hour. It's when you're sleeping at night you still have income rolling in. That's when you're wealthy. Everybody said, praise the Lord. It works, by the way. Why don't you just try it? Why don't you put God to the test? Instead of always sitting around sulking about how you are so poor, why don't you step up and find out how to get wealthy? And if it comes from God, the Bible says He doesn't add any sorrow with it. He don't add no sorrow with it. Praise God. Because you know why? Because you're like Abraham. You trust God and you got riches. He was the kind of man when there was a dispute between Lot's herdsman and his herdsman over the property. Abraham had the title deed to the property. But because he did not like the unbeliever seeing brothers squabble, he said, you're my brother. Even though he had the title deed of the land, he said, I'll let you choose which part of the land you want. 
And and Lot walked by sight. Abraham walked by faith. And Lot walked out and he said, I want the well water plains of Jordan. Well, that's on the way to Sodom. It was a business transaction for him. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom and then eventually he ended up in Sodom. Because it was a business transaction for him. He walked by sight. Abraham, who owned it, said in order to settle disputes so that unbelievers don't see brothers fighting, he said, I'll let you have what you want. You choose. Lot walked by sight. Abraham walked by faith. And Abraham continued to trust in God. And Sodom ended up blowing up. And Abraham's blessed. Amen. So look at verse 28. I'll go back up in just a minute. The other verses. Verse 28. He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. The word trust there. If you trust riches, he's saying that means you have put your confidence in the riches. You are confiding in the wealth. That means that you have begun to trust your money for your security and safety in life. And God says if you're that kind of person where you're trusting in your money to be your security and safety in life, He said you are going to fall. But the righteous shall flourish as the branch. That's Abraham. What are you trusting? Will you put your are you confiding in money? See, I'm gonna just I'm gonna show you something tonight. People who don't have time for God, I guarantee you, he knows how to get their attention. But he is so good, oftentimes he doesn't do this. But all he's gotta do. They're doing all right in their jobs. They've got plenty of money. All he's got to do is just take that away. And I promise then they won't walk around with so much confidence in life. Money can be a very dangerous thing because you you can make it your God and you can put put confidence in it and you feel secure because you've got money. Uh, That's why sometimes God says, all right, when he does, you got to get on your face and seek him then. God wants to bless you, but don't confide in it. So I'll read them to you again. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. There is that which holdeth more than is meat, but is tended to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that waters shall be watered also himself. He that withholdeth corn, the people shall curse him. But blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Not the ability to help somebody else and you don't help them? I curse you. I don't want to curse. I want a blessing. Amen. Okay, so you know, we recently made the deposit of everything that you have given to Zambia into Prophetess's account. She's fixing to go to Zambia. Okay? So you'll know. 
We haven't kept that. We gave it to her. All right? So we're $9,000 deposit just the other day. I went with her. I went with her and Pastor Ngosa to deposit that $9,000. And then month by month, we're going to be sending the what you give to Zambia. She's there. And we're preparing to take that $20,000 for property. And we're going to make that deposit as well. Because this is the kingdom of God. And it's not about getting. We don't give to get from God. We don't give to get from God. But you can't outgive Him. And that's as a church as well. So, And I know they know this, but if they want to prosper in Zambia, they've got to turn around and they've got to sow into something outside of themselves as well. And then God can bless that work even more. Because it's reciprocating. Amen. Brother Emma's oftentimes, he will take money and he'll sow it back into missions. Okay? Sometimes large amounts of money. He'll sow it, turn around and sow it right back into another missionary's work. He, see, these things work. Amen. God, it'll bring the favor of God because we're, by nature, we're stingy, man. By nature, we want it all for ourselves. Right? Come on. Man, you know somebody's operating by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of love if they're giving. Amen. I believe the Word of God, don't you? I mean, I've seen it work. I've seen it work. It works. Hallelujah. <clears throat> That's why times when we have many guest speakers come in here, God will move on my heart. He said, you sow into them. You sow into their ministry. Not just giving to a man. You're sowing into a ministry. Anointing. You sow into anointing, brothers and sisters. You sow into the anointing of a teacher and watch how God opens the Scripture to you. You sow into the anointing of a prophet and see how God opens things to you. You sow into the ministry of an apostle and see how God builds for you. Because you are sowing into an anointing. There are times God will say, the man, you know, I've already got in my mind what we're going to do. Okay, in my spirit, what is kind of, it's always to me abundant. But when they get here, oftentimes God will say, no, you're going to do this. And we'll write $5,000 checks to a minister that, that preaches for the weekend. We'll write a $10,000 check to a minister that's speaking for a weekend. Simply because God says to do it. That's it. That's all it takes is just a word from God. And we do it happily. Not, oh, God, really? No. No. Happy to. Just like hilarious. Like, woo, we get to. Why? Because we know the more we give, the more we're going to receive. We don't give to get, but that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Me and my wife, we traveled to Ohio one, one time for a conference. I don't go to conference very often, but 
felt led of God to go to this one. And God told me, you're going to meet this man when you go there. He's one of the greatest apostles on the planet. He's going to meet him. Well, I'm not going to go empty-handed if I'm going to meet him. So I told Sister Christina, we didn't have a lot of money at that time, but I said, make out a check, an offering for that man, because I'm going to meet him. And when I meet him, I'm not going to go empty-handed. And so God opened the door. He opened it up through human agency for me to meet that man. He's not alive anymore. Bishop Wagner. Tudor Bismarck, y'all, some of y'all heard of him. Tudor Bismarck called Bishop Wagner daddy. Okay. That's the kind of rank he had in the kingdom. And so God said, I'm going to give you a door of opportunity to meet him. So I said, I'm not going empty handed. So I told her to write a check. And when I got a chance to meet him, we gave him that offering. His wife sent us a nice card later on telling us thank you. He said that it was at a needful time in their life. Are you here? It's so important, brothers and sisters, that we live by this principle of giving. Amen. God, God, you don't have to worry about it. God will open up opportunity for you to give. And He'll move on your spirit. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. I promise you if you do, you'll be the happiest person in the church. Oh man, you come to church. I won't have to talk to you about sucking your thumb anymore. Because you'll come in here. You'll be so happy. Because people that give are happy people. Amen. How many of y'all believe God's word today? So it's not it's not it's not insanity. It is insane, Pastor. You well you why well, give like that, you know. If God tells you to do something, say, Lord, is that you talking to me, telling me to give that much? You sure not a... Well listen, Abraham, this great man who had great wealth, you know how God knew he could trust him? He said, I want you to offer your son to me. How much do you really trust me, Abraham? How much faith do you really have in me? Do you trust me and have enough faith in me to the point that you'll give your only son to me? Give even that? And Abraham said, Lord, I'll give him to you. Even my son, my firstborn son, I'll give him to you. That's a giver. When he so trusts God with his own flesh and blood, he said, I'll take him. It's out of my hands now. I'll give him completely to you. That's really trusting God. So we really trust God to the point that we'll even give our children to Him? That's a giver. No, I want to control it. Be happy. Be happy and give them to God. Say amen. It's a hard lesson to learn. It is. It's a hard lesson to learn. Look at me. 
Would you please? Thank you. Look at me. <laughs> My wife and I are happy today. Sister Victoria's fixing to leave Friday to go to Kentucky. Godspeed. Y'all pray for it, the will of God is done, all right? I'm happy because we've given it all to God. And when you when you see, and when you do that, what's happened? What happens? He's gonna be tested. You know, you go, you know, let me have it back, you know. Yeah. Start dealing with it emotionally and No, I said, No, how can I take it back if I gave it to him? And I trust him. Totally trust him. Amen. And we want to make sure Jeremiah's where he's supposed to be, but he wants to go over to to Taiwan, you know, and uh, spend about a month or so. We'll see. I don't know if it's going to happen. Brother Edmonds may not want him. <laughs> you know. But hey, let me tell you, I'm okay with that too. Like I told Pastor and Ghost the other day, I said, as long as my kids live for the Lord, I don't care where they go. They can go to Mars. <laughs> they live for God. If they don't live for God, failure! I don't care how much money they got. I don't care what their job is. I don't care who they marry. I don't care how big their house is. Without God, it's a failure. They can go to Mars if they live for God. I'm happy. God, man, if God wants him to go to Taiwan and be a missionary to Taiwan, I'm happy. You know? I think you all feel the same way. Are you are you to in a place in your life though that you can even give your children to God? Say, Lord, they're yours. I'm not taking them back. Man, God asked him to kill his son. Kill him. That's a giver, brothers and sisters. And that's why Abraham was so blessed. That's why he's called the father of the faithful. Trusted God, not riches. 27. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. I mean, these are really, you talk about valuable things. These are critical. This is a critical thing here. When you look at it, how many of y'all want favor? Do yourself a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, do yourself a favor. Go about trying to do some good. Do yourself a favor. But if you're, a, if you're mischievous, the word mischievous means you're the kind of person that's always tearing down everything that's good. That's a mischievous person, man. They tear it, every, destroy everything. You try to build something, they destroy it. No, do yourself a favor. Do good things. Don't tear down good things. Question for you. Is it working for you tonight? Is your Christianity working for you tonight? It will, but maybe you just need to make some adjustments. Maybe you need to, to reevaluate some things and understand what where God puts value. Okay?
Amen. It, it works, brothers and sisters. It's just that sometimes we're, we're not lining up with the Word of God. I'm talking about myself. It's not the Bible, God. It's not my problem. It's not the Word of God. It's a problem. It's me not getting... I'm out of line. I've got to get myself in proper alignment so I can get His blessing. You're saying, God, come here and help me. God's saying, you need to move. Get back over here where you're supposed to be. I'm waiting for you to get back where you're supposed to be. And here you are calling on me, trying to get me to come to you. I said, I, I never left. You did. You need to get back where you're supposed to be. I'll tell you something, brothers, as soon as you do that, you watch. As soon as you get back your head right, get your head straight, get repentant in your mind, get your mind changed, get your heart right, get your life where it's supposed to be, you watch. You're going to have peace, joy. It's not God. God is not our problem. We've just, we're out of line. Believe the Word of God today. Seek good. Do yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, man. No, I'm sorry for being so long. When I think about Churchill, I recently watched a movie in Churchill. I love to watch, not love it, but I do it just to learn. Watch a movie on Churchill. Man, he struggled. He fought. His whole life was one of fighting. And at the end of his life, finally, he just said, he looked at his wife and said, she said, did you stop fighting? I stopped fighting. Not in, a, not in a bad way, in a good way. Amen. He had to come to terms with D-Day. He tried to stop D-Day from ever happening to liberate France from the Germans. You know, that battle D-Day. Because he knew so many thousands and thousands of young men could die on that on those beaches, and he tried to stop it. He tried to stop Eisenhower from doing it. And
Praise the Lord. Okay. Y'all hear that? Okay. Thanks. So, <laughs> so anyway, I believe that, don't you? The fire doesn't, Hitler, the enemy tries to use fire to destroy you. But if you're a child of God, fire doesn't destroy you. Fire tempers you. Makes you stronger. Because you're iron. If you're iron, you put iron in the fire, and the iron becomes strong. Because you're forged in the fire, man. And if you're iron, you go through fire. You know what's going to happen? The devil thinks he's going to destroy you by that fire. But all he's done is turned up some heat in your life that's going to make you stronger than you've ever been. Give God praise. And he went, he went through such a devastating time in his life because of that previous battle that was lost that I'm talking about that influenced his decision to try to keep Eisenhower from fighting D-Day. He went through such an awesome, horrible time in his life. He started collapsing emotionally, spiritually, and physically. Emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And his wife, Clementine, was there to help him to not go into a total collapse. And when I saw that, this one thing came to me as I come to a close. He is known as one of the great, most probably, it is stated in the movie, he's known as the greatest Briton to ever live. Winston Churchill. You would never known the greatness of that man if you didn't have World War II. Because greatness doesn't come forth if there's not a huge challenge. You have to have huge challenge and huge wars for the great to rise. It's calm and everything's wonderful. You don't know the greatness that's in you or that's around you. But when great battle comes, you know, you find out who's great around you and you find out how great you are. Amen. Give God praise in this house. You'd never know it. You'd never know it if you don't have severe war and battle. Almost, I'm not kidding you, man. He was on his back in the bed. He couldn't even hardly move. He was so devastated. Do you know what? His field marshal walked in. Started talking about the battle, how he thought he was going to come out. And Churchill woke up. He said, that's not the way. And the time came for him to rise to the occasion. He rose to the occasion. Are you with me here today? Give the Lord praise. So you, you get a chance. Get a chance. Watch it. Watch it. Oh, oh Eisenhower, he had an old profane mouth. His old general, you know. He's using God's name in vain. I don't like that. But you'll learn a lot if you watch some of those movies. Okay? Yeah, because you say, well, we're really going through something. You know, we're really suffering. Really, we are. If the footmen weary me, what am I going to do when the horsemen ride? Amen? Believe that. Do yourself a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, do yourself a favor. Go about doing good. Go about doing good. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto, come unto him. It will find you. You try to tear down things that are good, it will come find you. 
Amen. I don't want to fight God. I want to fight God. Verse 29, He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind, and the fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. And trouble, we can trouble our house, can't we? Trouble our own house. God wants you to have peace in your heart. Homie, you're troubling your own house. You know? Like the old ostrich. The Bible talks about the ostrich. Man, she has her eggs and he puts them in the sand and she forgets where the eggs are she has in the sand and she stomps on them. She's stupid. She is. She's completely stupid. Ostriches are stupid. You know, I mean, think about it. Have an egg, put it in the sand, and then walk all over it. Stupid bird. It's the way people are. Just destructive, man. Destroy your own house. Husband destroying the house, or the wife destroying the house, or kids destroying the house. Don't understand that, as we've already covered, the importance of these values that affect society, that affect the city, that affect your home, that affect your life individually, that affect the church. Parents are losing control of their kids. Oftentimes, not your fault. But I'm just telling you, the kids can trouble your house. <laughs> Husband out, out of the will of God can trouble their house. A woman out of the will of God can trouble your house. Come on, man. How? By the decisions we make, by the choices we make, by the attitudes that we have. Or maybe in, more, in a more concrete way, you know, I've got two kids. And if I show favoritism to one of them over the other, eventually I'm going to reap. One day, <laughs> I don't even I don't even have to be in the conversation. I know Jeremiah saying she's his favorite, and I know. <laughs> That's not true, Jeremiah. I love you both the same. She. Well, maybe you're your mama's boy, and maybe I'm she's daddy's girl. Okay, that's not unusual, right? It's not unusual. But I mean, if you if you're that kind of person though, and you're showing favoritism, I mean, you deliberately show favoritism over one, that will be a problem for you. Because the other kids are going to say, well, you know, I'm here too. Why don't they love me? All they think about is the other one. All they talk about is the other one. What about me? Amen? Dangerous, man. Because they're going to go away from there thinking you don't love them like you love that other person. Don't trouble your own house. Say, praise the Lord. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Yeah. Amen. 
How's your two? Doing then all right? She goes. Getting her what? She don't even know I'm talking about her, does she? If everything continues as it is, you know, and the Lord don't come back, I'm going to tell her, you know, I remember when you were crawling under the pew. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Going after what? Cheese? Or Cheetos or something? Oh, that kind of cheese, okay. <laughs> oh, Luke, you got to be careful. Oh, Luke's going to grow up and think he's not even in the family. <laughs> you know, because she's really going to try to make it that way. Who's Luke? It's all about me, you know. But man, we do. We said that we, we do. God's word's true. And we can't take the blame for everything, okay? But we can take the blame for some things. Right? Some things, is, it is on us. It is. We have to be honest enough to say that, right? Praise the Lord. If you do trouble your own house, you're going to inherit the wind. Inherit the wind. Why trouble your house, man? Why stir up trouble in your house? You got an enemy to fight. You got a devil to fight. Amen. I appreciate you staying. It's 10. So family troubles. The fool shall be servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is, and we close, fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. That You talk about value, eternal value. Be a soul winner. Yeah, soul winner. You're wise if you're a soul winner. And then earthly blessing. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more of the wicked and the sinner. Amen? So there's a contrast between people who live good, good people and bad people in these chapter 11. The righteous, the values of the righteous versus the way the wicked live. Amen. I'm going to take God at His Word. Alright? Take God at His Word. Please stand. Appreciate you tonight staying so long. Brandon, uh, Brother Brandon Lang, I'm giving his baptismal certificate. Come on up here, brother. <laughs>